Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. Here, we believe success is inevitable and everything is possible. On each episode, we get real about the entrepreneurial journey and look at what it means to lean into your intuition, feel in alignment with your business, have coffee with resistance, and trust in abundance. We answer the tough questions. How can we show up authentically in business, with integrity in relationships, deeply seeking in our spiritual practice, and with grace in motherhood and beyond? This podcast celebrates the anti-hustle, healing from toxic productivity, prioritizing rest, and discovering tools that will support both your healing and business growth journeys. Your time and energy are precious resources, so thank you for being here. Your presence is a gift, and your business is thanking you. Get ready to get real, get honest, and keep growing. Hello, and welcome back to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I am your host, Krista Ritma, and today's episode is hitting close to home for me for sure and is such an important topic and yet one I resist to like the umph degree. And I think many of you will hopefully resonate with me in that. But Robin, my guest today, makes it easy and makes it lighter for me. And what I'm talking about is nutrition and my postpartum weight loss body positive experience that I'm having. And I am lucky enough to know Robin for a long time. We are not meeting for the first time on this podcast. We go way back and we go deep. And I've worked with her a few times myself. So she's a gift. And I'm really, really excited from like a deep emotional place to share this episode with you today. I want to introduce you to Robin Wilner. Robin is a holistic nutritionist, yoga teacher, and women's health coach whose passion is helping women reclaim their radiance and vitality. During her former career as a Broadway dancer and singer, she struggled with chronic anxiety and disordered eating. After years of suffering from various health issues, she decided to learn how to heal from the inside out and pledged to help others do the same. Now for over a decade, Robin has educated women to use their unique biochemistry as a healing superpower with food, movement, and mindfulness as natural remedies. In addition to one-on-one and group coaching, Robin has headlined dozens of yoga trainings, wellness workshops, keynote presentations from top yoga studios to tech companies like Salesforce, Google, and Instagram. So Robin, welcome. Thank you. Hi. I love talking to you and I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I love talking to you. This is such a personal journey, I think, what we're about to talk about. And I want to get even more specific into what we're going to really talk about and what you're really passionate about helping people with right now because I know from your bio, we got sort of like a small understanding. But basically, if you are over 30 (laughs) and have a period, this episode is for you. There is a lot going on, and Robin has been such a safe place for me to be honest with myself first and foremost, and I think I want to talk about that resistance 
because meeting with Robin means being honest about where I am and sharing my food logs, which means I have to be honest about that. And so a lot has come up for me in revisiting this work with you. But before we dive into that, I would love for you to share any context to really anchor us in right now. You have a extensive background in so many different areas, but I know we're both really passionate about talking about some specific stuff here today. So kick us off. What feels important to share? Hi. Hi. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is that when I was dancing professionally and I started really young, I started when I was about eight years old. And so I was exposed to the ballet world first. And I got my period when I was 12, which is very unusual in the dance world. A lot of women don't get their period for a much longer time. Gymnastics and dance has that in common. But I got boobs and I got hips and it was not okay. And my first entry point into understanding what it was like to be in a female body was being shunned, being pointed at. I had an actual teacher who told me to, I'll just say, restrict my calories. It was a nice way of her saying, just stop eating as if that was going to solve me developing in you know this natural way. So here I was at this very young age, people around me had this rite of passage and I was thinking, I don't want my body to be this way. So that developed into some really severe disordered eating. And those patterns, as I changed to musical theater, which interestingly, the reason I remember so clearly, I was 16 and my mom took me to New York to see Broadway shows. And I remember looking on stage and saying to my mom, those women look like me. They have bodies. And that has always stuck with me throughout my entire career that I, I transitioned the whole trajectory of what I was trying to do because I felt like my body was more accepted. Now, that's not to say that there isn't abuse and talk about what you should or shouldn't do you know, in, in the theater industry, whole other conversation. But as I was moving through my 20s and 30s, I was having so much trouble in other realms with my body. First, I should tell you, I had horrible periods, terrible cramping, terrible PMS, and multiple ovarian cysts. And I had surgeries subsequently for those. And the doctors weren't really helping me with the problem. They were just saying, try birth control. Or you know, if I was feeling anxious, which I felt a lot, I was living in Manhattan, I lived through 9-11. I was young, I was in my 20s. And I was doing eight shows a week in, in Broadway productions. And I was being told, oh, just take anti-anxiety medication. So those were my options. And I didn't like those options. <laughs> I was feeling like something, something more is going on. And so I did try birth control. And unfortunately, it totally messed with my system. I tried it when I was in my 20s. I gained a lot of weight. I had mood swings, terrible fatigue, no control over my body. It was a terrible experiment, gone bad. And I said, I can't do this. And funny thing that this came around again now I'm retired. I retired at 36 after six years in the cast of Wicked on Broadway. And, and during that time, I was not on hormonal birth control, but I was still having some really severe issues with my digestion. And I had no idea what was going on. And I just finally got to this point where I can't take this anymore. So I had met this holistic practitioner, my chiropractor, who said, you know, let's try an elimination diet. He was also a nutritionist at the time. And he said, let's just try to see what foods are bothering you. So we did this sort of cleanse. And I realized I had a severe gluten allergy. My dad actually has celiac, which I didn't realize was genetic. And I have something fancy called non-celiac gluten sensitivity, which is just a nice way of saying don't eat gluten or you will become a celiac. As soon as I eliminated the foods that were harming my body, 
then I felt instantly better. I had so much more energy, no more brain fog, no more bloating, and I was performing better. I was athletically better all around. And it got me so curious. Then I was like, okay, so food's not this scary thing that I have to like not touch and skip my meals or, you know, whatever other bad habits that I had at the time. He said, you know, you'd probably really like to go to graduate school. And he sort of planted a seed for me. And that was kind of the beginning of where I am now. The story continued as I, I was teaching yoga also. I got my yoga certification when I was in New York. So what I decided during like the last 10 years of transitioning from New York to being now in the Bay Area is that I wanted to understand how to be in a female body and not feel like the only solution that I had was either take birth control, take anti-anxiety drugs, and like, that's it. That's that's what I got for you. And I was like, no, this can't be everything. And I've always believed in a holistic approach. I've loved yoga because it has a very natural holistic approach. And so when I moved out to the Bay Area, I thought, you know, this area, this arena in the West Coast is very ready for a functional integrative approach. And so I really wanted to develop a way to help specifically women like myself understand how to eat, how to move, how to use mindfulness, how to use rest and sync it with their biochemistry, with their cycle, with this beautiful, powerful menstrual flow that we are, you know, often shunned for in society, but that can be so celebrated. So that's where my company Joyful Remedies was born. And that's why I wanted to do this work. And what's always interesting to me, Krista, and you know this because you've known me a while, is that we always joke, like you teach what you're going through or what you're experiencing is is where you, you know, you put your passion. And I have not been well in the past couple of years, as I entered my 40s, I thought, oh, I got this covered. Like, oh, I know what I'm doing. And then I started to have these weird symptoms of transitioning into, you know, the dreaded purgatory of perimenopause. And I was like, no. Once again, I was like, I'm not going to let this thing take me down. So it's been an experiment over the past couple of years. But the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I think that the lack of research on female bodies, particularly when I was in my 20s and 30s, was just abominable. It was like there was no information out there. Now people are talking about this. Now people are saying, hey, we have different hormonal activity and there actually is some really great research that shows that there's ways to use food as medicine and there's ways to use movement as medicine. So that's why I love talking about this stuff. You know, I'm just reflecting on my own experience. And I know so many listening from getting your period for the first time, like we have not been cared for. And I had a very opposite experience. I got my period very late. I was very flat. I felt like I looked like a boy, you know? And so I had another relationship with food and with women and with my body and what I'm supposed to look like and that I'm not – I don't look like what a woman is supposed to look like at 16 or whatever. And also bad periods, also ovarian cysts, also put on birth control at age 16. Like what? I would not put that in my body now. And so I think that also put on anxiety medication at 19. You know what I mean? It's like this is not a rare or unique experience. And yet the lack of research 
what I have learned because I just went through birth in 2022 and I can tell you not much has changed in that department except in the area where I live, my doula works in tandem with the healthcare system and there's some like holistic things beginning to happen, just beginning. And this holistic approach, what I have learned, and I think this really is so different from boomers. Like even my grandma, I remember my mom, the first thing she does is asks her doctor, asks her doctor. Like what I have realized is I love Western medicine when it is life or death because they will save your life. When that intervention is needed, but if you are having chronic bloating, it is actually like not the job of your doctor. It really isn't. And when Clay had his accident last year and I saw the system in motion from the way the paramedics to the ambulance to his surgeon to the follow-up appointment, that's what that is for. Helping me birth my baby That was important, but helping my iron deficiency during my pregnancy and my horrific nausea, they could care less. It's not their job. And I really have like embodied this. And this is why somebody like Robin, like the the grateful that like from my doula to Robin, like the people that are approaching our health in a specific way from a holistic approach is so valuable and so needed. And it's not something we're going to get from our doctors. And for me, just understanding, okay, I need to take this into my own hands if I want to feel better because we're just used to feeling like shit and we're used to feeling bloated. And meeting you has shown me or been that bridge to, hey, there's people out there. There's a real business now. This is real holistic nutrition. And they are going to look at your mind, body, spirit, everything, and take that into consideration. You take this a step further by going deep with women on the hormonal journey. And I could cry (laughs) just like I'm so horrible just, just saying that. But like, I just want to say, you know, this is where we get those answers. And it's not from the areas that we're used to going. And it's not about being angry with the patriarchy. It's just about accepting the need for holistic nutrition in my life. And that resistance was really strong. And you felt it. And I felt it because it's brutal. It's brutal. I want you to drop me into what is happening at this age. You know, you and I are 10 years apart. Mm -hmm. What's happening in our bodies as women? Like, what the fuck is going on? WTF. So, a couple things that I wanted to point out. One is we only know what we know. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we are 10 years apart. And, what was going on for me, like as I'm growing up in the 90s and then in the 2000s and the 2010s, was I was like, where is the research? And I just have to say this, even though I was getting my master's in science in holistic nutrition, it was still very much looking at all bodies, even though holistic 
health in general says, okay, we look at the whole person. And by the whole person, I just want to make sure the listeners understand we're looking at how are you physically? How are you emotionally? How are you mentally, spiritually? How is your environment affecting you? How are your genetics affecting you? How are your preferences affecting you? We look at everything. So I've never treated two clients that have come to me the same way. Whereas you pointed out so obviously, Western medicine is amazing for saving your life. It's amazing in crisis. Why? Because the science is there to say, this is how we solve the problem. What's happening though for a lot of us, especially for female bodies, is that we're having all of these symptoms and then society at large is saying, that's okay because everybody has that. Like PMS is normal, so suffer through it because it's normal. And then we celebrate the fact that we're all suffering. Like, yes, I have cramps. <laughs> I remember walking into, you know, my my dressing room at Wicked and and some, you know, we kind of started to sync up because it's a real thing. You're around each other. Your, you know, pheromones are, you oh, know, totally. close. So people would be like, who's got their period today? <laughs> you know, and we would all laugh because we were all suffering together because you know one person was talking about her cramps one person was talking about her migraines one person was talking about her bloating and yet what was interesting is that we were all still at a high performance level <laughs> eight times a week no questions asked i wasn't like excuse me i'm in my luteal phase on my way to menstruating can i have a couple days off to rest like no and what i see is happening with a lot of women and i say our age meaning women in our 30s and 40s we are yeah. starting this transition of perimenopause as early as the age of 35 meaning your hormones can start to fluctuate things are going to start to change for you you might start to feel some symptomology as early as 35 and then whenever your mom went through menopause typically that's around the time where you will so let's just say between like 35 and 50 is around when things start to change and then if you're under 35, you've got to kind of set yourself up for success, right? So what I see happening, and this is just my opinion and my experience, is that we are spending generally as women our 30s and 40s trying to do everything. And by everything, I mean we are opening businesses, running those businesses, and then we start families. And then that is, a, you're the CEO twice now because, I mean, I, even just as I'm looking at you, it's like you're the CEO of a business and you're a mom, those are two very high-performance jobs. Mm. And we don't give enough credit, I think, to women when they go through the transition of motherhood. It's extremely challenging. And for many, it can be extremely challenging on the nine months. I know you didn't have the easiest pregnancy, but then on the other side, there's a postpartum time that we just want to ignore. It's like, oh, you had your baby, you took your maternity leave, come right back to work. You're good. You're ready to go. And so what I'm seeing happen is this pattern of women overdoing, overproducing because the way that we've been trained to function is according to male biochemistry. And I say that because we have two very different rhythms. So I just, if it's okay, I want to talk about this momentarily. So we have, a, we all have a circadian rhythm. In other words, we wake up with the sun. That would be nice if we were actually doing this. But we wake up in the morning, the sun rises, we have sort of a natural peak in the middle of the day, we kind of slow down, that's where siesta and happy hour kind of comes from, that idea, and then we make our way towards sleep. And then we hopefully reset during sleep and we start again. We all have that. If you're in a female body, you have this other beautiful rhythm that we are being told to ignore, which is your 28-day infradian rhythm. It moves more with the moon cycle. And that's not to say it's a, an absolute science where 
you get your menstrual flow every exact 28 days. It's usually between about 25 and 32. But anything that's less than that or more than that is just a sign. Nature is saying, hey, something's up. Your hormones are a little off. And instead of us going, oh, that's why I'm feeling more exhausted than usual, or that's why I feel brain fog. That's why my body doesn't look or feel like it's mine. I feel like I'm an imposter in my own body. And I have felt that a lot. Or that's why I'm getting cysts. You know, that's why my cramps are so bad or my bleeding is so bad. Mm. We don't know that these are all signs that nature is saying, hey, something's off. It doesn't necessarily mean like, hey, there's a problem. You've got to go to the hospital. It just means, hey, there's something off. And you can use what I call nature's medicine to get yourself back on track. And then what's the missing link then is the information. Then it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, now I know that something's off. Now what do I do? So that's Mm -hmm. where I like to meet women is in that curiosity of, okay, I know something's off. I've heard rumors that PMS isn't actually normal. What do I do now? Or I've heard that, you know, maybe my experience trying to have a baby isn't normal or but we've normalized it, right? So that's the thing is when I say normal, I just mean because a lot of people have experienced something it's deemed normal or normalized. And what a lot of these beautiful researchers are doing, and they're mostly female, is they're saying, hey, you know what? This isn't actually the way that it should be. This isn't the experience. And you're suffering because you're trying to do so much and not capitalizing on the fact that your biochemistry can actually help you to be more productive at certain times of the month or more creative or to you know get super analytical. And that's why female entrepreneurs are so incredible at what they do and holding so many you know different positions at the same time but it's that lack of knowing what to do throughout those phases that trips people up and that's the conversation that I want to have yeah i think it's so important and yet and this is just my honest reaction when i see women taking time off online because they're in their luteal phase, I'm like, must be nice. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, must be nice. Like, I don't have that luxury. I'm running two businesses, da-da-da-da-da. And then I get like, instead of honoring this woman for like actually honoring her cycle and speaking to it, I am triggered because I'm so affected by this way in which I'm supposed to be operating in society. And so even working with you and coming to the conclusion that something is off, I think, you know, awareness is always the first step because for so many years, for so many years, this is a perfect example. I had horrific periods and I just in my head was like, I just have bad periods. And every month, this is a true story. This is how I would get my period for almost a decade of my life. It would be in the middle of the night. And in my dream, I would get shot in the stomach and I would be bleeding out like so traumatizing. You know, every month this would happen. And I would wake up still in pain, horrific pain. And I would be so confused. Army crawl. Like I'm still like, 
in fight or flight to get to the bathroom, get some Advil, drink a bottle of water, and lie in the fetal position until my cramps were better and I could get back in bed. And I was visiting a mentor in Kauai, and I was telling her this story, and I was like, I'm PMSing, I'm going to get my period this week. And I like sort of told her my little thing, and she was like, you can talk to your body, you know? And I was like, what? <laughs> That's amazing. And she was like, you can just tell your body that a period is normal mm-hmm. and that it can come gently and that you don't need to be like like it doesn't need to send you into fight or flight and that like send peace and love and like let's see. And so every day that I was PMSing, I like said this prayer and sure enough, the next day I like felt this little like ping, you know, like where you just know the exact moment you can feel it. And it was so gentle. And in that moment, I realized what else have I assumed was normal mm-hmm. that I can actually have autonomy and power over my own body. Like, why is that a foreign concept? And the resistance is so strong, and we're so used to feeling so bad. And you know, I've been feeling bad in my body. The world knows I've been feeling bad in my body. You've been lovingly and so gently chasing me down, sharing ways that you can help me feel better in my body. And finally, I had to have that awareness of like, this is off. Like, I'm going all in. It's like showing your dirty underwear, telling people what you ate the last three days. You know, it's like just ripping off the vulnerability veil and talking about my hormones and talking about my cycle and talking about what's not working because there's another way. And you are a great example of this. You recently were able to help yourself in such a holistic way. And that story that you shared with me about you really like using your own tools on yourself in your own perimenopausal experience was so profound to me. And that's really what made me like even the person sharing has to take the action, you know? And that's why I always say we're, we're, we teach what we're here to learn. And so you sharing, you taking your power back in that way was just like ripping the bandaid off for me and I'm doing the work and I'm doing the log. And I have to say, even just meeting you, and this is not the end all be all, but my biggest takeaways after that meeting were around sleep and stress, which I want to talk about. And I haven't changed much more, and I've lost five pounds since our meeting. Like the intention is back, and I feel better in my body and the movement, and you made it easy. And so what I want to share and what I would love for you to talk about are like these main pillars that are affecting our hormones and cortisol that you shared with me because it's not just food. It's a holistic thing, and there are micro shifts that we can make, but I didn't know. I didn't know. And like you said, the information for us women is just our period getting people is just not there. Yeah. So please tell us. Please tell me more about this. 
I would love to just address one thing really quickly, if that's okay, before we jump into these five pillars of mine. You said something so profound, which is like the reaction that you have when you see this woman that's like, oh, I'm taking my time because I'm getting ready to have my period. And I responded, you know, very naturally, me too, you know, because I am a very busy person. Something that I just want the listener to know is that it's okay if you're not used to tending to your body in the way that that lucky woman is able to. And if you feel like there's no way I'd be able to, you know, rest during this part of my cycle or whatever it is that you might be thinking. For me, it's the micro level of change. It doesn't have to be this like macro level of shift. As you said, even just changing one thing, which was rest, can have such a profound effect. And we'll talk about that in a moment. I also think it's important to understand that every human body is different. Even though the female body, there's so much science that we all share but our experiences are all so unique. And that's why we're having this shared reaction because we're thinking, this is absurd. I've never been given permission to behave this way before. Because as I mentioned, we are already conditioned to behave according to the male biochemistry and even just the the kinds of diets that are, all the fads that are in the news and are constantly targeting women have nothing to do with female biochemistry. They're not being researched on females, if at all. And so just that permission that I hear you giving yourself to say, you know what, I could do this another way. It's very similar to the yoga practice. We go into the room Mm -hmm. and we listen to our body and you hear the practitioner, I say it all the time, listen to where your body is. Listen to the data, the information that your body and your breath are giving you. And when we're there, somehow we can be permissive. And then we leave the yoga mat and for some reason we go out into our lives and it's like, it all went away. So we all have this ability to be permissive. That's what I like to call it. And so that's where I think this came from for me when I was thinking of the most important pillars of health. To me, they are nutrition, which includes all the foods that you're eating as well as how you're hydrating. Then and these are in no particular order. Nutrition, mindfulness, movement, rest and connection. And if you remember when we spoke the last time, I asked you where do you feel that you're lacking the most in all of those, you know? And and for a lot of people, we might say I'm lacking rest. I know that's a big one that most people will say that they're lacking or I'm lacking connection. So if you'd like me to speak to all of them, I can briefly, but we could even just start with connection. What's interesting to note is that there is data and research that proves that being socially isolated actually decreases your longevity. So you'll hear a lot of longevity experts talk about this, but because of what happened in the pandemic, people were very isolated. Some people were like, I don't even have anybody to call. Or the people that I want to be around, I can't be around. And that did a number on our health, mentally and physically. So it's really important to be connected to other people. I think I would take it an extra step for someone that's in a female body, especially if you're menstruating, have a tribe as silly as that sounds, but have a tribe of women who are going through the same experience as you. When I talk to other women in their 40s about Mm. 
how we're feeling now versus how we felt four or five years ago, it's profoundly different. Suddenly I'm looking at my body and going, that's not the body that I had when I was 38 or 39 and certainly not the body I had when I was 29. What is going on? And just having that support system of people who can go, yes, I'm experiencing that too. And that's not abnormal. So that's really important. Also, I think having a connection to spirit, having a connection to nature can take us to another level of being permissive when it comes to understanding that our cycle is something that occurs in nature. So I think that's really important. Rest is probably the pillar, if I had to give it a hierarchy, that I would say is at the very top. And the reason is for some time now, I've been hearing people talk about their lack of sleep as if it's some kind of award-winning behavior. (laughs) You know what I mean? We almost revere this idea like, oh, I got like four or five hours of sleep last night, but I'm still functioning and I'm doing my job and or my two jobs or I'm, you know, we're celebrating the fact that we're not allowing our brain to rest. And the whole point of sleep, we think about it as just about our body, but it's actually about your brain and the fact that your brain is speaking to all of your systems, your digestive system being your second brain. And super important to understand is that your brain is going to speak to your endocrine system, which is responsible for your hormones. It's going to speak to your reproductive system, which also, of course, has you know hormones that we keep talking about. But we have more than just those two systems, our cardiovascular system, our musculoskeletal system, all the systems, your nervous system. So important to understand that sleep is essential. So if we're not getting the amount of sleep that the human body needs, and typically a human body needs anywhere from seven to nine hours of sleep. And as a new mom, I know that that feels like a profound thing to say, even when well, I told yeah, it to you. So it's like, no wonder new moms are not well. Yeah. It's like, and yeah, we only get three months off, but I didn't get more than six hours of sleep. I'm finally there because you plus my sleep coach, Paige, who is my sleep coach for my infant, by the way, have both trained me to go to bed earlier. And it was something I wasn't doing. And I, for almost one full year, didn't sleep more than three hours in a row. And then you wonder why my adrenals are shot, my cortisol levels are through the roof, and I can't lose a pound. Like, it's not – but yet we just try all these other fads or – it's like we just want – for me, I really feel like it's avoiding some kind of like truth around aging, which I want to talk about after we get through these pillars. But just understanding that if you are not well-rested – and prioritizing that. Like I know now I should have prioritized it more. Like I could have been sleeping when Kathy was sleeping. I wasn't. And I didn't understand how important it was. Like I've never been a great sleeper. I was always a night owl, but I got to sleep in. I didn't have, you know, anything I needed to do. I run my own company. I don't start till nine. It's fine. But now – I was still going to bed late and Kathy gets up at six and it just is no longer working. And it took you and my sleep coach page to be like, hello, like first and foremost, it doesn't matter your diet or your exercise. Rest will actually contribute contribute to weight loss 
and more health and lowering your cortisols. And I just didn't even realize. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. That's why I said there's no hierarchy and I'm going to put rest at the top. So here's a few more. If you're not feeling like you can get rest right now, just know that like that's one of the pillars. And I think just the self-awareness of like something's off oh, definitely. I'm not sleeping more than four hours. Like just the awareness of that. Absolutely. Especially as a new new mom. Yeah. I I just want to say that, you know, I'm not a mom, but I do know many people that are. And again, it's about permission. It's telling yourself, this is a time in my life and it's very natural to not be getting sleep, but it doesn't last forever. And the body is so Mm -hmm. resilient and the mind is so resilient. Human beings can do so many things. The most normal thing in all of humanity is bringing life into the world, you know? So the fact that you're not sleeping for the first year of your child's life is completely normal. We can also say there is going to be a time when I'm going to be able to sleep more and you have to give yourself that generosity of right now, maybe it's not happening for me, whether it's you're a new parent or you're starting a new job or you moved or whatever it is that you're doing. But as you said, and this is super important, rest is going to affect everything else. You could have the best, cleanest diet. You could be exercising like a champ according to your menstrual cycle. You could be using your mindfulness techniques. You can you know, be connecting to other people. If you are not getting adequate rest, it's like none of that work matters. Here's something and really that interesting. That was like my ding, ding, ding. Yes. Yes. That is and the moment I of realization. Thinking instead of walking on the tread. Yes. And I have lost weight. <laughs> yeah. It's this desperation, and I lose right? I pound for 10 months. Like yeah. that was really hard for me because that's when I really sort of had my breaking point with Robin is I have been 20 pounds past where I thought I would be for over nine months. And it's just nothing's budging and I'm doing the things and I'm feeling better, but I'm not. And it was the rest. And yeah. that was the first thing. And the two pillars that were really missing for me that had the biggest effect when you shared, so I'm so glad we're starting with rest, were rest and movement. Mm-hmm. Because I thought I was like moving in the right way and I realized like all of the cardio wasn't contributing. (laughs) So it's just, again, the lack of information and I love these five pillars. So I'm going to try not to interrupt so you can get through them. No, it's okay. I I wanted to also give you some fun facts, which I always bring up to folks because they'll ask me, how am I supposed to get seven to nine hours of sleep? And I'm like, here's something really fun that's been researched and it's wonderful. If you are getting, say, 20 minutes a day of meditation or yin yoga, and for those that don't know, yin yoga is a very meditative practice of yoga, very close to the ground, long holds in postures, allowing the fascia to hydrate and lengthen. When your body is in that meditative state for just 20 minutes a day, it sends signals to your brain that you've slept for about four hours. And it's not a replacement for sleep. It's just in the interim when you're having trouble, you can use meditation as your tool to reclaim that feeling of focus and you know that resetting that we need of our brains. What's also really important to note since you know we've been talking about female biochemistry is that there's different times of the month when you need more or less 
rest. So just to be really clear, your energy is the lowest when you're on your bleed. So we joke about this in the health and wellness field, like let napping be a sport. <laughs> you know, it's like for the the time that you're like, oh, but I want to lose those five pounds. I got to get to my, you know, hit class or whatever. This is not the time. This is the time to consider napping an Olympic activity, you know? And I will say this as well, as you start to age, and it's something I've been resisting, but you get older and you need more rest, especially as your hormones are transitioning. And that is something I recognized when I was an athlete. When I was dancing, I always thought, oh, well, I'm dancing so much, so of course I need to sleep more. And then for some reason, I shifted gears and forgot I still need to sleep more to recover from all the things that I do. So when you're in the phase leading up to your menstrual flow, which is the luteal phase, which can be somewhere around a week and can be a little longer, it could be like 10 days. For some people, it's even longer. But you start to feel like your energy towards the second half of that luteal phase is starting to you know, drop because your hormone levels are quite literally going to be at their lowest. And that's when you have to tend to your body and say, okay, do I actually have the energy to do this? Is this going to help me? Or would I be better off sitting in meditation or lying down and doing some light yoga or taking a nap? So it's important to recognize that. And then when you do that, as you come out of your menstrual flow, your bleed ends, you enter the follicular phase, and this can last about seven, 10 days as well. But you have this rise of energy and it's happening slowly and then it peaks during ovulation where you just have energy to burn. And if you're not experiencing that, something's off. So I have women who will say to me, well, right after I get my period, I'm just so depleted and tired. Well, that's completely normal. However, I recently have started to shift gears and I've been working on really healing myself and syncing with my cycle now that I have a period again because I didn't for a really long time. And as I got it back and I realized where I was, I started to naturally get that rise of energy again. So if your body is exhausted, depleted, it probably is reacting to what was going on two weeks before, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this way that we can start to listen to our bodies and use rest as a superpower in a way. So this is why we say your biochemistry is your superpower. So you can use your cycle to understand that if you rest at the right time, you'll have more energy for all the things that you want to do after you've actually come out of your period on the other side. So that is one way that you can start to sync with it. I know you wanted to get to other pillars as well. Well, we have rest, connection, movement. Mm, yeah. I think this is one that I'd love for you to just break down. What was so supportive for me is the types of movement and what each one is in support to because I was just doing the wrong things. And once I realized like, you know, I actually have my sticky note you gave me right here. It's like 300 minutes a week, 150 moderate weights, one minute flexibility, 30 minute. Like it's so much easier to understand now. And um, yeah, just like why movement is so important and why different types of movement, especially as a female, is just like we can't just expect if we're just running all the time to have that effect that we're that we're hoping for. This is really important because you and I both talked about what we were doing 
prior to starting to feel the shifts in our bodies, right? And that is doing the same thing consistently all the time. And like for me, it was always dancing and yoga. And mm. and I know for you, you said the same thing. You would do yoga all the time. I used to feel like if something was changing in my body, if I had gained a pound or two or, you know, there's a natural fluctuation of a few pounds every month for women just because of, you know, water weight and all that. But if I was starting to gain weight and I didn't really want to be, I could just start to go to the gym and get on the elliptical and start working out a little bit extra. And then I would shed those few pounds, you know, from whatever it is. I went on vacation and I had too much fun. Good whatever old it day. Might be, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I can I solve know. this. Good no old. problem. Yeah. Well, here's the not so fun news. That does not work anymore when you're, you know, in your mid 30s and especially as you make your way to your 40s and beyond. What's great is that there are other ways that you can start to move that are interesting and fun and can actually be less draining, actually. That's what I'm finding as I'm getting older. So the basic recommendations for just longevity, and I always come to everything from a longevity perspective. In other words, we want to live as long as we can and have a long lifespan. And then, of course, we want to have a great time while we're living that long life. So that would be your health span, how you're living your life. So if you have about 150 minutes of time, which we could break down as 30 minutes a day, five days a week, of moderate intensity exercise, that type of physical activity could be anything cardiovascular, whatever you love to do, running, you know, walking briskly, dancing, jump roping, anything that, you know, that comes to mind, roller skating. I was just trying that for the first time in years. Anything that gets you to a place where you're breathing heavily so that if you were to have a conversation, it would be difficult. That's a great way to that's remember what, that. That's what helped me is when you said yeah. that, like anything where you couldn't have a conversation. Yeah. If you can call your friend and have a full-on conversation like we're having right now, you're not going real fast enough. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. But 30 minutes, five days a week. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. It could be an hour a couple times a week. It's whatever works for you. But allowing your body to feel some type of moderate intensity exercise, getting your heart rate into that zone for about 150 minutes a week. Now, that is a starting point. That's not to say if you're doing more or you're, you know, if you're more of an athlete or even if you're doing less, that there's something wrong. It's just a base point to try. And I always tell people, if you're trying something new, go slow. Start with little increments. Say, okay, I'm going to do this twice a week for three weeks and see how I do. And then I'm going to do it three times a week and see how you do. And then you just build up to it. But you have to remember that cardiovascular exercise isn't the only type of exercise. There's also resistance training or strength training. There's also flexibility and there's also stability. So we we want to age and we want to be able to do all the things that we do now, right? So there's this great Dr. Peter Atia is his name that I think he refers to this as the geriatric Olympics, but it's like you want to be able to tie your shoes. You want to be able to like pick up your grandkids. You want to be able to get yourself out of bed. You want to be able to sit down and get back up and climb stairs. And, you know, the basic things that we do now that we kind of take for granted, we want to be able to do them until we're 85 or 90 or 95 or 100 if we're lucky. So we have to set the foundation now. 
And the thing about strength training that is so important is that you have to be doing this now, particularly I'm speaking to women who are younger than I am, because you want to set yourself up for success for the next 10 to 15 years. By the time you reach menopause, your body mass is going to change. And we want to prevent osteoporosis. We want to make sure that we're also practicing putting resistance on our muscles so that they can still do all the things we want to do. We want to be able to pick up our kids. We want to be able to carry groceries. So we have to put a little tax on our muscles in that way and repair the tissues and keep telling our brain how to do that over time. So it's super important to do resistance training and it's going to keep your musculoskeletal system so healthy through perimenopause and into menopause so that it's an easier transition. And that's something that a lot of women forgive the pun, resist because it's this fear of, oh, I don't want to bulk or, you know, I want to have this like really lean body. And all I can say is, first of all, everybody's body looks different. I don't think Mm -hmm. there's any kind of ideal that we should be trying to get towards. It's about how you feel. And it's more important to me now to feel better and feel stronger than it is for me to look a certain way. And I've had to work on that a lot, but it's about feeling better. And when you're on this weight loss journey, that weight resistance is going to help you more than doing, you know, five days of running. So it's giving yourself the balance of the two. That being said, (laughs) there are certain times of the month where you're not going to want to do that. Right. So for instance, I love your 80-20 rule. I really follow that. Yeah, that is my favorite. And that can come in with everything, not just with nutrition. I use that a lot, but Everything that I practice is 80% let me go all out and try to be the healthiest person I can be so that 20% I can enjoy my life. And then Mm -hmm. it keeps me on track. I think it keeps my clients on track. I hope it keeps listeners on track. We have to have that permission, that forgiveness of like, oh, I had some joy today. I had ice cream. That was great. Or I had that glass of wine. That was but fabulous. Because, but because we're we're doing the things, then yes. it's like you don't feel bad in your body when you do that. Right. And I think that's really what it's about for me right now is just feeling better in my body and feeling stronger. And one thing that I really have shifted, and this is from working with you and just doing a lot of work on myself these last few months because this postpartum experience has been really tough on my ego. And there's just so much talk about going back to the body, going back, going back to the body we had in my 20s or fitting into the jeans we had on our 20s or our pre-baby weight. Like all of this emphasis on getting back this younger, slimmer, whatever. And the, the massive shift that is a micro shift but changed everything for me is like instead of thinking about it as going back, how can I think about this as aging well Mm -hmm. and stepping into my 40s feeling better than I do in my 30s and aging in a way that is graceful in terms of even just like getting like micro facials, you know, or like micro needling and just really like caring for my skin and caring for my body in a way where I age well, but I'm not trying to go back. I love being a mom. I love being in my 30s. And I think that focus on going back versus how we go forward with joy, with strength, feeling better in our bodies, 
making these major hormonal transitions, but being prepared so that we don't feel that slump and we know enough to seek help from a holistic nutritionist when we need that kind of support. Like what I'm really wanting to get across with Robin is I think when you hear holistic nutrition, you think about food Mm -hmm. and we have barely talked about food. Yeah. It's interesting. It's everything. Everything that affects what we're eating. Because if my mindset is not right, if my rest is not right, if my connection, that is all going to influence how I'm eating, when I'm eating, and the relationship I'm having to food. So for me, in your pillars, nutrition is actually the last one because Mm -hmm. it's the easiest to do when everything else is aligned. And so I just want to name how how big that was for me. Like there is no going back, ladies, you know? It's like how do we go forward in grace, in love with ourselves, with our bodies, and like with the autonomy and sovereignty of taking it into our own hands and seeking somebody that's not our doctor. Yeah. But really looking for those specialists and looking for those trainers like My mom specifically, I'm thinking of this woman that she works with. Her whole thing is helping women like and men in their 60s and on stay fit. Mm. And it's exactly what you're speaking to. There's stability classes. There's hiking classes. And and I'm seeing my mom like commit to aging well versus like trying to do these fads and – and and seeing this comparison on social media like, oh, pre-baby weight jeans, it ain't happening for me. And like, do I even want that? And so I think when I can really remove my ego and just think about how can I take care of my body 20 years from now, 10 years from now, five years from now, like I do my business, like I do my bank account, like I do my home it would mean prioritizing this. And so that's what I'm doing now. And that's why I'm working with you now. So it's such a great time to have you on the pod because it's real time for me. And I'm still in the early stages of looking at the routine she's created for me, creating my food log, which again was the last step for me Mm -hmm. was the food. And so that's just another realization I'm having because when everything else lines up, you want to eat healthy. You want to nourish your body in those ways. So I'd love to segue into nutrition and the final pillar just to wrap that up. But this aging well, this aging with grace, this tapping into your body and mind and spirit to like align in a holistic way is so much better than like being on a diet. Absolutely. And I just want to say, I love that you brought this up because we do as a society revere youth. And it's an obsession that I have a real problem with because it's affected me so much that I've mm-hmm. entered this decade of my life feeling really down on myself because I feel like no one really prepared me for what it was going to feel like to look in the mirror and see things changing. And mm-hmm. I'm having to work on that myself as I'm also helping other women work on it as well. And what I just want to say is you you mentioned something, I don't remember exactly, but about, you know, I, I keep trying to get back to something. And my question to you is going to be why? Like, why is it so important for us to go back? 
I don't want to go back to being in my 20s again. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And life was really hard. And I didn't have a lot of money. So <laughs> I really like where I am now. I like what I know now. I like the experiences that I've had. I like what I'm capable of. I love what I've built. And yes, we're going to have hardships and setbacks because that's life. But when you really think about it, we, if again, we're lucky, I want to get to my 90s. I've, have, I've had family members live to be over 100, which is incredible. Yeah. And if I'm lucky enough to get there, that means I haven't even lived half of my life yet. So if I'm obsessed with going backwards to where I was 10 years ago, then I have another 50 years now to obsess about being something that I'm never going to be again. That to me is the disintegration that we have. And unfortunately, it's something like you said, we have to kind of take the reins and say as women, no, like mom jeans are cool. <laughs> it's just, they're great. You know why? I love mom jeans. Yeah. I love a sweat set. Yeah. I love high socks and a baseball cut. Like, it's it's just about for me now in this stage of my life feeling into who I am and getting curious and excited about how I can like take better care of her. Yeah. And I think that's really where the food piece comes in. Like I see food as God. It's never something I want to restrict. It's always something I want to like revere and almost, you know, it's prayer. Yeah. And so bringing that element now in to the work with you and looking at what I'm putting into my body, even that awareness alone, like Robin hasn't even asked me to change anything in my diet yet. She's just asking me to look at what I'm eating and how I feel one hour before each meal. And again, it's just that awareness. And just having that awareness has made me more conscious of what I'm choosing to eat because I know I'm going to have to show it to you. Yeah. And it's, it's a so, little, it's a vulnerability. I once had someone tell me. And it's that, the yeah. same thing that happens with me when people, I'm doing their websites and it's like, they get their homework done because they know I'm, you know, but You're it's like, it has nothing to do with me. It's your website, but it's like, there's that accountability mm -hmm. piece. So having that like accountability partner, especially with the food, I think is a really big piece of it and yeah. a vulnerable piece of it too. It I is. think, would you say that the food is the most vulnerable pillar for people? A hundred percent. I once had a gal say to me, I would rather strip down naked in front of a room of strangers than tell you what I ate yesterday. And it it was profound. I realized mm -hmm. that people are so vulnerable about what they put into their body and for good reason. It is a very personal thing. But more importantly, there's this association with judgment. So I have so many folks will be like, oh, I had a really bad week today. I don't want to tell you what I ate. And it's my job mm -hmm. to say, good for you. Tell me all the things that you consider to be awful. And now we have data and we can talk about it. There's a couple yeah. of things that I want to make sure folks hear loud and clear. One is I do not believe there is such a thing as good and bad foods. I believe there are foods that serve your health for whatever goal that you have. And there are foods that aren't going to serve your health for whatever goal that you have. I know you and I have spoken very briefly about this, but even just changing your mindset before you eat can actually improve your digestion. It's the easiest way to improve what's going on inside your body without changing your diet at all. And that simply breaks down to- That's what's happening yes, to me, right? Recognizing how do I feel right now? So I'll just give you an example. If you had an interaction with somebody, let's say your partner, you just got into a fight and you just are feeling kind of you know, hot and toasty. 
And then you go into your kitchen and suddenly you open the cabinets and you pause. You ask yourself the question, why am I turning to food right now? And what is it that I actually need? Like I would say, what, Robin, what do you need right now? And usually I need a hug or I need to talk to a friend or I need to go for a walk. You know, like, let's be real. Do I need those corn chips? Are they going to make me emotionally feel better? Absolutely not. Is it bad if I eat them? Absolutely not. I just want to be aware of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So what well, if I eat the chips? Mindfulness, and that's the mindfulness. Yes, that's killer. the mindfulness. And, and it's, that's the rounding out mm-hmm. of all five of these things. Yeah. It's rest, connection, movement, nutrition, and mindfulness. And as Robin and I just laid out, it's like all one. It's That's the holistic approach. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it's called holistic nutrition, you know, but it really feels like it's like holistic living. Yeah. It's and holistic health, really. Like I would, I would call it holistic health. health. There it is. There it yeah. is. It's, it's health. And it's to me, and I say this all the time when I teach yoga, we digest our thoughts, our experiences, our emotions, and our food. So we <laughs> want to do the best that we can to take in the stuff that is going to serve us, assimilate it, and absorb it like we would the nutrients in our food, right? And then it goes where it's supposed to go, and it does good things for us. When the stuff comes in that we don't want, we want our body, our brain, our system to be able to eliminate it, metabolize it properly, and eliminate it. And that's going to go for the stress that we bring in. You know, this is where hormonal stuff comes in. And when I say hormones, I just want to be careful that we're not just talking reproductive hormones. We're talking the sleep hormones. Melatonin helps you go to sleep. Cortisol helps you wake up. Yeah. Cortisol is also there when you're stressed. Of course, adrenaline comes in when you're stressed out. But there's also these beautiful hormones like dopamine and serotonin that help you feel happy or oxytocin that helps you connect, especially to connect to your little one. Prolactin, which helps you if you're breastfeeding. There are these beautiful hormones and we kind of can classify them as yin and yang hormones. And being mindful that, again, what we're taking into our body, not just the foods, but everything we take in is going to affect that fluctuation of all of our hormonal processes. And when it comes to like the very basics of nutrition, because this is a whole conversation And there are so many, I don't even know what to call it. It's like pathways, I guess you would call it, people's opinions of ways to eat. But one thing that has been consistent for the last several, I would say, decades, and it's finally coming to light, is that whole foods, meaning foods that appear in nature as they are, nothing's been done to them, nothing's chemically altered them, that is the best way for us to eat, is to consume whole foods, 80-20. 80% of the time. That means 20% of the time, if you're eating something refined, something that has been chemically altered, something that isn't in its natural state, no problem. That's okay. You're metabolically strong in your body so that if you want to have a glass of wine, it's not going to affect you versus someone that might not be metabolically as strong, someone who's pre diabetic or diabetic, let's say, it's going to affect them differently. So if you have the means to feed yourself, foods that are natural, just like you want to bring in people in your life that are going to uplift you versus people that are going to drag you down and make you feel awful. It's that mindfulness piece and the nutrition piece to me just kind of go hand in hand because you're becoming so aware of why you're choosing to put what you're putting into your body. 
And it's also how you're doing it. You mentioned that one of your coaches and mentors told you you could talk to your body and have a better period. It's the exact same thing with your digestive system. Think about it. If you are sitting in front of the TV watching a really violent movie and eating your food, I don't care what you're eating, the way that you're consuming it is going to be probably very rushed. You're probably not going to chew completely. You're going to probably swallow a lot more than your body can handle. It's going to be an experience very much like what you're consuming through your eyes versus if you're sitting down at a table with people that you care about or by yourself or outside in nature, if there is an experience, again, there's that connection piece, right? The mindfulness piece comes in. If you're consuming food consciously, mindfully, then your body's going to respond differently. So it's the way that we eat that is really important, not just what we eat. And you know, there's a lot of kinds of foods that I could specifically talk about. There's not enough time to do that that could really help hormonally. But the most important thing that I can say here is, you know, whole foods, whole foods, whole foods. I can't say it enough. And and really recognizing that food is medicine, not just this fun, palatable thing that we have turned food into, which is, you know, we're always looking for new ways to, you know, put food into our mouth and have an experience. And that's all fun and that's great. But the cultures that are living the longest and living the best and not having all of the the same cancers and the same issues that we're having, the same imbalances that we're having, are living very simple lives. They're eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, a lot of whole grains. They're getting their proteins from, you know, the water or where the land, wherever they're getting them, but they're they're just eating what nature has provided. They're not doing much more than that. And that's yeah. really, really important to note is that if 80% of the time we were really conscious and aware of eating foods as they were meant to be, then, you know, your body will be metabolically happier and healthier generally. Then there are some specific things I can tell you if you want for, you know, the endocrine system and all that. But what's important is also recognizing, now, if you're in a female body, there are a couple of things that you can think about. One is cravings and PMS go hand in hand. So if you are starting to find that during that you know week leading up to your menstrual flow, you're starting to have the salty craving or the sweet craving or the, I would just, I, I remember I used to want chips and guac all the time. I don't know why. It was just like, I was a salty girl. Some people are fried foods, whatever it is. Giving into that is setting you up for having a really exhausted end of your menstrual cycle and having a hard mm-hmm. time coming back when everything starts over again, right? So think about it. Your hormones are starting to drop. They're at their lowest. The best thing that you can do is start to feed yourself really good anti-inflammatory foods, things like mm-hmm. fish and nuts and seeds, olive oil, avocados, those kinds of foods. On your way to your, to your flow, thinking about finding your favorite recipes for soups and stews, things that are going to be a little heartier. I know that's not as fun when it's summertime, but there are soups that are a little lighter. Those foods that are going to fill you up with a lot of nutrients, but not drag you down, right? So it's not giving into, oh, I'm getting my period, so I'm just going to eat whatever the heck I want because it's the opposite. Then when you come out of your flow, and you're finding your way into this, you know, new phase, if you will, then you start to fill your body with 
a lot more fruits and veggies. I want people to feel like there's a path forward for you. And I think everything you've shared, like even just making a pivot in one of those areas is going to make you feel better. Like these five pillars are like, for me, ways to now just make these micro adjustments in my life to feeling better. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do alone. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to share that working with Robin, I'm like screaming from the rooftops. You can book a call with her at literally any time. She has master classes on this, courses on this, a talk coming up on this. I mean, it is such a big topic that I want to have like a part two, a part three to this because I feel like this is the basics. Like your biochemistry is a superpower 101. And once you realize this, there's so much you can do in a non-overwhelming way. And so I just want to thank you for all these really specific examples and showing up with so much value and so much information because it is out there. It's just not with your primary doctor probably. Yeah, and it's, it's not true. on TikTok. Like, no. And so, and, and maybe, you know, and so I'm just grateful for you for doing this work, for sharing this work, for being so honest with your own journey. And I just hope that you can come back because I'm just at the start of my journey with you. And I think that we can go so deep together. And this was like just what I needed to hear. And I know so many people were on this journey together and just know you're not alone in this. And I just want to say thank you for being here and tell us where we can find you and learn more. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me here. Clearly we could talk about this for hours. So I hope I can come back and we can do a part two. So you can always find me through my website, joyfulremedies.com. And you can find me on Instagram at robin.wilner. And I do have a Happy Healthy Hormones Masterclass that will be coming up in September. So jump on my email list. You'll find out all kinds of beautiful things. I do have a free Optimal You Wellness series that'll kind of get you kickstarted with some of this work. And then, yeah, just connect. I do free consults so all the value. time. Yeah. So much value. You can book a free consult. You can join her free mini series. She's got an amazing masterclass coming up. I highly recommend her email list. There's so much value there and support and accountability. And definitely book a call if this is resonating with you as it does with me. So thank you for your work. Thank you, Krista. For everybody else, we're in this together. Take care of yourselves, drink some water, get some rest. And until next time, keep growing.